Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Bernstein Insights, where we cover trends in the economy, markets, and asset allocation for long-term investors. I'm Matt Palazzolo, Senior Portfolio Manager, and this will be the next installment of our Cryptocurrencies and Blockchain Technology series. As we were for all of the other installments, I'm joined today by Paul Robertson, Senior Portfolio Manager and resident expert on all things cryptocurrency and blockchain related. Paul, welcome back. Glad to be here, Matt. So, Paul, in our first three podcasts, we we did discuss cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, and we talked a little bit about the applications, but, but I know you want to get into a little bit further into the application of the blockchain and ways to think about whether or not it is a good application of it. So give us a sense for what you're talking about. Yeah. As we've talked about, this blockchain technology is likely to prove groundbreaking. It's going to transform commerce and various industries. But we're in this experimental phase at the moment where all sorts of applications for blockchain technology are being proposed. And not all of them are going to succeed. The great challenge that investors face is trying to sift through all of these proposals and work out those with a greater than average chance of success from those with a greater than average chance of failure. So I guess this always does happen in the early days of a technology, right? Absolutely. I mean, to me, it feels like the internet bubble era, where if you were just to add .com to your mm-hmm. uh, your company name, your share price would go through the roof. But the follow-through on those business models was often appalling. From the wreckage of countless business models, we saw a few companies emerge, the, the Amazons, mm-hmm. the Googles, the Facebooks of the world. What investors want to do is identify those companies early and sift through all of those that are unlikely to succeed. So I'm hopeful that you're going to give us a way to think about that. Let's go back to blockchain now. How do we as laymen in in terms of cryptocurrencies and the blockchain application, how do we determine which companies or which applications will be good ones versus ones that will fall away and fail? Well, this is always going to be difficult Uh, I don't think the chances of of success are high here, but I do think investors should be asking themselves a few basic questions, and let me just rattle them off. Firstly, is there a trust issue here that needs to be overcome? That is the reason for being of the blockchain system. Second, if there is a trust issue, is a blockchain implementation the best way to overcome that trust deficit? And lastly, can you design a blockchain implementation that sufficiently incentivizes everyone to participate, therefore, again, giving you a greater than average chance of success? So let's talk about that first one. So trust. Why is trust so important in contracts or in um, usefulness of any type of new technology? Well, let let me go way, way back. The best transactions are with people you know well, perhaps members of your own community, people you're going to transact with many times over time. You you, you both have reputations to protect. It's the classic environment where you can trust and you can trade with confidence. But think now about the Bitcoin situation. The Bitcoin situation was that you were going to trade with anonymous counterparties anywhere around the world without out the crutch of a trusted intermediary like a bank or a credit card company. I guess, is it fair to say that cryptocurrency started because um, those that engaged in the early days of cryptocurrencies did not have trust in that third party? 
Well, the, the very first crypto, the very first digital currency systems all failed because they couldn't overcome this, this pressing trust issue. What the blockchain did, taking this, this earlier created technology and, and using it in the digital currency world, is it gave people reason to believe that counterparties would actually transmit to them Bitcoin that they owned. Just and, real, real briefly, just go yeah. through again for our listeners that maybe can't recall the earlier um, podcast that we did. How does blockchain solve that problem? What is it? It's a ledger. And so how does it solve that trust issue? Well, it's a chronological record of every transaction ever made in the Bitcoin system. And there are some ingenious processes that allow you to have enormous confidence about that record. So at the moment when you propose a trade in the Bitcoin system, the first thing that happens is really that the blockchain is scanned to make sure the trade is valid, that the counterparty actually has the 100 Bitcoin that they're promising to transact to you. With that in place, then the trade moves on to be processed in the system and you move on to transfer to the counterparty what you need to transfer to them. So let's go back to your framework. First question is trust an issue. Go a little bit further on that. Why, why do we have to answer that question to determine whether or not the blockchain is a good application? Because that's what the blockchain brings to the party. It brings the ability to bring very disparate people together around this shared record of truth. So let me give you an example here. Um, of, of a potential trust deficit that maybe a blockchain implementation could overcome. So right now, the pharmaceutical industry is plagued by counterfeiting. Fake drugs represent about a $200 billion industry around the world. But of course, the problem with these fake drugs is not only that they harm people and in some cases kill people, but what they're doing is damaging reputations and undermining people's trust in pharmaceutical drugs. So how, how could the blockchain help in this instance? Well, again, this is an example really of securing the supply chain. What you want to do is give people the confidence that when they take the drug, that it, it will have the correct dosage, the correct ingredients, and the promised efficacy because you'll be able to track from when the drug was created through to when it was dispensed to you uh, that everything was in accordance and that you're actually getting the branded drug, not the counterfeit drug. So let me just take this down to real life. Would my grandmother, for example, be able to in some way go in and track through the blockchain this drug through the system? Look, I suspect in that case, it's going to be the pharmacist, the dispensing pharmacist who will okay. ensure that this is actually the real drug. But in, in many emerging economies, for example, the problem of counterfeiting is severe. Uh, armed with a blockchain, um, trusted parties within the system will be able to assure customers that they're actually getting the correct drug and not a counterfeit version of the correct drug. You gave us an example last time of the food industry, of, of tracking a head of lettuce or apples through the system. The same could be said here. I guess in that case, the restaurateur could follow and ensure that that head of lettuce actually came from where they thought it was and actually is organic or something like that. Yeah. So, so these supply chain issues are, are classic areas of potential trust deficits, and therefore, at least superficially, an interesting area for the application of blockchains in order to secure 
confidence in the supply chain. But that's not by itself enough to warrant a blockchain implementation here. Trust has historically been an issue with trade ever since trade and commerce has existed. And of course, we've developed a lot of long-standing mechanisms to overcome trust issues. The legal system, like you said earlier. The legal system, yeah. Um, government regulation, um, contract law, business brokers, real estate agents. Uh, one of my favorites is the way futures markets uh, operate, a fabulous mechanism for securing trust. So just because there is a trust issue doesn't necessarily mean that you need some alternative way to overcome that trust, like blockchain. There, there already is a whole system developed to overcome these trust issues. That's right. For a blockchain implementation to make sense, it has to outdo all of these other mechanisms in terms of cost and effectiveness. You have to ask yourself, is blockchain going to do a better job? So you have to excuse me if I'm skeptical of this, because it seems like on all those examples that you gave, the legal system and so forth, we've got a pretty good system already. In many cases, we have a pretty good system. Not all. But but not in all. And and I do think the pharmaceutical drug issue um, is one. The so this, counter- is, this is your second question, right? That's right. That's right. Is blockchain going to do a better job? And in supply chain issues, we've seen companies say, yes, a blockchain implementation is probably better than any other solution. Walmart has said that about many of its supply chain issues that it faces. And I think in the counterfeit drug world, we also have um, the industry expressing a lot of support for uh, a blockchain implementation. The World Health Organization estimates that about 35% of global counterfeit drugs originate in India. Mm. And so the government has commissioned a trial here using serialization, unique identifiers for each bottle of medication, which makes it uh, easier to identify counterfeits and also allows the dispensing pharmacist to ensure from their examination of the blockchain that this is a valid uh, container of the medication. So um, can this be done? Let's just stick with the uh, the pharmaceutical example. Can this be done on a company-by-company basis? Meaning can Walmart or Novartis or anybody else adopt this and let it be a success, or does it have to be done on a broader scale? The real issues revolve around handoffs between um, elements of a supply chain. So It's when you hand off the drug from one inventory management system, maybe the manufacturer's inventory management system, to the wholesaler's inventory management system. And from the wholesaler, eventually the drug gets into the pharmaceutical chain and to a particular store. At every point along the line, you have handoffs involved, and these are where the issues arise. Now, a blockchain implementation allows you to connect each of those disparate parties around one agreed-upon record of truth. Now, Novartis itself can put a serial number on any of its medications and run it through the entire Novartis system without risk without appreciable risk of fraud or counterfeiting. But it's when the drug leaves the Mm. Novartis world and passes into someone else's hands that the problems potentially arise. So you do have to have basically everybody on board in order to ensure that there is trust. Exactly. Exactly. And so this really leads to the third question. Can you get a solution adopted industry-wide 
as opposed to within one particular company. Now, if you go back to the Bitcoin world, it ingeniously incentivizes participants. If you remember the way the Bitcoin world operates, there are payment processes, which we call miners, who are just essentially random individuals with a lot of computing power lying idle. And they contribute that computing power to processing transactions in the Bitcoin system in return for a reward of Bitcoins every time they um, process a bundle of transactions. So the question we have to grapple with is how are you going to incentivize participants to um, implement this blockchain uh, implementation? This would seem like a more complicated issue than just putting .com at the end of your, you know, your business and having that be a success. This brings in multiple players. That's exactly right, and it's where the problems arise. So let's just consider a different example, um, the trucking industry. Now, the trucking industry is ripe for some sort of technological solution to link all of the elements of the supply chain together. So bringing freight from California, from Long Beach, California, all the way to New York City, for example. Absolutely. Absolutely. Plaguing this business is um, brokers who make nearly $70 billion a year matching freight carriers and shippers. They are really the trust underpinning of the system. And so one novel blockchain application would be to combine um, blockchain and ride sharing to cut down on empty and partial loads along with circuitous routes. It's, It's essentially asking the blockchain to do everything that the the brokers are doing today. Uh, But there's a lot of disparate parties involved here. Uh, Even in your example, from Long Beach, California to New York City, there could be multiple trucking firms involved. So is it likely, I guess is the question, can this actually occur? And maybe a little bit further, how long could this take? Yes. Well, this is the issue. The hitch is getting everyone to participate. And we think in this case, it's a long shot based on past history. In this trucking case. That's right, because other industry-wide initiatives here have sputtered. For instance, right now, the industry is struggling to comply with safety standards designed to prevent truckers from driving too many consecutive miles. Drivers are supposed to record their miles using an electronic logging device, but just over a third of the roughly 1,600 fleets were compliant by Congress's December 2017 deadline. And, of course, a blockchain implementation is going to face even greater hurdles. It's not mandated by government regulation. Beside the cost, the system's current inefficiency seems to serve the interests of some parties, although, of course, not others. Plus, a blockchain solution is going to require the entire industry to adopt consistent data protocols. So even if you were to answer those first two questions correctly, or yes, affirmatively, It doesn't necessarily mean that it it will be adopted widely because of complexities or regulations or or other issues, in which case blockchain is not a good application. Fair? Fair. But let me go further and say in not every implementation is everyone's incentives aligned. Mm -hmm. And I think in the trucking business, you have some some incentives to not participate in having uh, a blockchain solution to the trust issues that bedevil the industry. So if you can't get everyone to participate, no matter how good an idea it is, it's likely to fail. Can it be mandated by the government? 
Of course it can, but that's uh, that's a different solution. That's a regulatory solution. What I think investors are looking for are applications of the technology that are going to solve interesting business problems in unique and low-cost ways, creating wealth where today no wealth is being created. Okay. Paul, summarize your, your three questions, then let's wrap it up. Yeah, I think every time an investor is confronted with an idea for a blockchain implementation, they should be asking themselves at least these three questions. Firstly, is trust an issue in this industry or business problem? Second, if it is, is a blockchain implementation likely to be the lowest cost, most effective solution that you can arrive at to this trust problem? And lastly, can you design a blockchain implementation that uh, aligns everyone's incentives and gets broad-based buy-in? If you can't, then your blockchain implementation is not likely to succeed. Okay, so that'll narrow down the list, I would think, pretty quickly as you go through and answer those three questions, either as a business owner or an analyst looking at different industries. Paul, fascinating stuff. Thanks a lot. And for everybody out there listening, we hope you enjoyed this uh, next installment of cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. Until next time, Paul, appreciate your time. And thanks very much, everybody. And you can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts. Bernstein, making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com.